Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. So come on, you guys ready to get into this word? You know, 2018, for a lot of us, it's been a good year. Uh, I think for me, it's been an amazing year. I've seen God do a lot of amazing things. But the reality is that life is life, right? Like life touches everybody. And sometimes even in a good year, difficult things can happen. And for me, I've definitely faced some challenges that I've never faced before in 2018. But I'm just thankful because I really believe that in this last year, I've seen God's faithfulness. You know, isn't it interesting how we see God's faithfulness in difficult times? Sometimes we think that God's only present when things are good. But I just feel like I really want to tell you that even in the difficult moments, God has been present. Come on, amen. And I really believe that the word that the Lord put on my heart specifically for this year is this word called hope. And I really feel like this word hope has been, it's been keeping me stable this year. And I really believe if there's something that we all need this year, especially for 2019, is to enter the new year with hope. So I want to preach on hope. Can you do me a favor and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When you're there, can you say amen? You guys there yet? If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We're going to put verses on the screens. Or you can share with the person next to you. If it's somebody from the opposite sex, it may be an opportunity to leave church with a date. Come on. I met my wife in church when I was 16. We were best friends until we were 20. She was confused. She was dating some other guy. We started dating at 21, got married at 25. Come on, God's been good. I think the best place to meet your spouse is in church. Why go to the club? You can just come to church on Sunday and you can find somebody who will last for a lifetime. Can I get an amen? All right. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. You guys ready? When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. This is going to be the verse that we're going to be focusing on. Verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the, for the soul, firm and secure. Can I read one more verse for you? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Reads like this. It says, when hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. The name of my message this morning is called Anchored to Hope. Anchored to hope. Can I give you a second title? I got hope for 2019. Hope for 2019. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray. 
So Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And Lord, I thank you for everything that you're doing here this morning. And Father, I thank you for everyone who showed up to your house. And Father, I ask, Lord, that today that you would do something supernatural, Lord, that you would just take this word and that you would break it up and that it would meet everyone individually where they are. So Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you for everything you've done in 2018. But Jesus, we still believe that the best is still yet to come. And it's in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, can you guys make some noise for Alex on the keys? I said it last service and I'm gonna say it again. He has the best head of hair I've ever seen in my whole entire life. He looked like he just came out of an herbal essence commercial. It's like sponsor for head and shoulders. And he said, he said at the 9 a.m. that he's single and he wanted me to announce it at the, at the 11 a.m. So for the new year, if you're looking for a relationship, that guy right there is available. His phone number is 30525. <laughs> oh, I love him. I got a question for you. Have you ever, uh, have you ever had to wait? Whoa. <laughs> She's like, yes. Have you ever had to wait? Now, I don't know about you, but haven't you noticed that sometimes people do crazy things when they're waiting? Like I've literally seen people lose their minds because they're losing patience. You know, I've actually heard somebody say, when you pray, don't ask God for patience. <laughs> because when you ask God for patience, he's not going to give you patience. In fact, what he's going to give you is opportunities to practice and exercise your patience. If anything, it just makes life more difficult. Like, God, I'm good. I don't need no more patience. I'm fine. But I don't know. It can be frustrating. It can be frustrating to wait. I remember the first time I saw somebody just lose their cool after they, um, after they were waiting for some time. And I have this uncle. And my, my uncle, he, he, he's insane. My, my uncle was really the one who introduced me to the love of basketball. And the way that he did this is that he took me to this park that was located in Opelaka. It was called Pepper Park. And Pepper Park for me was amazing. I played my first basketball game at Pepper Park at 12 years old. But the way that it started was completely out of the ordinary. Like my uncle, his nickname in Opelaka was this, was the Cuban Rambo. El tipo fue un loco. He was out of his mind. He was insane. And I remember we show up to the basketball game, and, and he's excited because he's about to show his nephew how to play some basketball. And, and he's being such a good example until something occurs. Because my uncle, he has a very short fuse. I asked him if it's okay if I can use him for an illustration. He said it was fine. And uh, his fuse, is, it's, it's really short. So we were waiting for the basketball game to finish, and this is probably the longest basketball game I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And I can just see the look on my uncle's face as he's getting frustrated and as he's getting angry, waiting for this basketball game to finish that felt like it would never end. Eventually, an hour and a half goes into the basketball game, and then my uncle yells out this word, this term. He says, hey, I got downs. Now, when you yell, I got downs in a basketball game, usually what that means is, I got next. I got next. And when my uncle yells this out, there's this other gentleman on the other side of the basketball court. And he's like, well, hold on a second. And we got downs. And all of a sudden, I saw a look at my uncle's face. And I was like, oh, Lord, it's about, to get, it's about to get crazy. And then my uncle goes, no, 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 hold on. We have downs. Then from the other side of the court, the guy goes, you guys aren't playing. We're playing next. And all of a sudden, I, I can't make this up. This is what I see my uncle do. He looks around the basketball court. And he finds the largest 
trash can that you could ever find. He picks up the trash can and he throws it in the center of the basketball court and there's garbage all over the court. And he says, if we're not playing, nobody's playing. I freaked out. I took off. I left him by himself. <laughs> I was 12. It, it was crazy. I mean, I mean, he literally lost his mind just waiting for a basketball game. I, I think people do crazy stuff when, when they feel like they have to wait. I, you know, I've never realized how much I'd have to wait until I got married. <laughs> Paul's like, amen. Like, I, I, I really figured out the process of waiting when I got married. You see, because my wife and I, we like to go out and we like to have a good time and we'll have date night or we'll hang out with some friends or whatever the case may be. But then there's this process of getting ready. And you know, when I first got married, I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. You know, my wife and I, we share one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. I was like, but that's cool. We're going to share a bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is going to be awesome. But, but it wasn't as, as great as I thought it would be because my wife doesn't like sharing a bathroom with me. And she says it's because I'm really big. Like I, I take up all the mirror space. I take up all the counter space. I, I take up all the sink space. And she's like, I can't deal with this anymore. So my wife, she, she put together policies and procedures for using the bathroom at our home. <laughs> and, and, and it goes a little something like this. My wife was like, babe, you know what? Oh my gosh, I have this amazing idea. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get ready. I'm like, babe, please do tell. You know, I'm all about teamwork. And she says, all right, but this is what we're going to do. You're going to get ready first. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my wife is amazing. And then she says, but you have a maximum amount of time of 10 minutes. <laughs> In those 10 minutes, I have to shower, brush my teeth, like do everything that I got to do. And once I finish my policies and procedures of getting ready, my wife, is, is, it's then her turn to get ready. So I think if I got 10 minutes, that means my wife, she's going to do 10 minutes and, and we're going to be good. It's going to be fair. But I was wrong. Like, like it, it would happen where my wife would go into the bathroom and I would just be sitting in the living room and I would just be waiting for, for her to finish getting ready. And, and out of frustration, I would do what all men do and I would yell out, babe, how much more time? And then my wife would respond something that I've come to realize that all women respond. Babe, give me five. I said, you said that 15 minutes ago. She said, give me another five. I'm like, okay. But something that I realized is that five doesn't really mean five minutes. It really means five-ish. It could be five days, five hours, or five months. The reality is, is that five, you can never really determine how long it's gonna be. So I would remember, I would get frustrated in my living room and I would be pacing back and forth, frustrated, waiting, thinking, oh my gosh, there's a city out there to go and have fun in and my wife is taking forever to get ready in the bathroom and I'm pacing back and forth in my living room, getting frustrated and I'll be yelling things that you should never yell in marriage, which are the words, you always and you never. You always take forever and you never share the bathroom. And then the night just gets messed up because I, because I lose my cool. I mean, come on, have you ever noticed that sometimes we can go a little crazy when we're waiting? I think a lot of us, we can all relate to this. I, I want to I read you this verse in Job chapter 8, verse 13 to 15. This is what it says. It says, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. And as I was thinking about the process of waiting and hope, and when I read this verse for the first time, I really started to, to realize that the reason that you and I forget about God is because we really believe that God has forgotten about us. 
And the reason that we believe that God has forgotten about us is because in 2018, you and I have been pacing back and forth in our life, pacing back and forth in 2018, wondering, God, when are you going to deliver the miracle? God, when are you going to do the promise that you told me that you were going to deliver to me? God, when is the healing going to come? I've been sick for a very long time, but the Bible says that by your stripes I'm healed. God, when are you going to restore my marriage? God, when are you going to bring my daughter back home? When are you going to bring my son back home? God, when are you going to restore my marriage? God, when are you going to give me the baby that I've been praying for. God, when am I going to be set free from this drug addiction? God, you told me that I'm free in you and for some reason I'm bound up by these addictions. God, when are you going to help me with this temptation that I'm facing? I can't seem to break it and we're pacing back and forth in 2018 and the promises that we've had over our life that we've had hope for, we're now hopeless and we have anger when we think about the promises of God. Don't talk to me about the promises of God. I've, I've had it. Because, because God in 2018 has not delivered what you thought he was going to deliver on your timetable. And a situation that has made us full of hope now makes us hopeless because we're frustrated with God. Because he hasn't delivered the miracle yet or the promise that he's given us. My career hasn't taken off yet. I haven't gotten the promotion that I've wanted yet. My life has not supposed to have been looking like this. I thought walking with Jesus was going to be easy in 2018. But walking with Jesus is more difficult than I thought. I thought it was going to be an amazing time. But God, you haven't delivered what you said that you were going to deliver. I want to read to you a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 13. It says, now these three things remain. Faith hope and love. Now, have you noticed that in church, we talk a lot about faith and we talk a lot about love, but we really don't talk too much about hope. And the reason that I feel like we don't really talk about hope a lot is because we have reduced and we have put limitations as to what hope really is. A lot of us, we have, we have lost the power behind hope. In fact, we hear the word hope now, and hope is like something that goes cool on the mug, like it looks good on the bumper sticker, but for our life, hope is like, what is that word? It really doesn't carry any weight in our life, and we're disappointed in hope for us. We have reduced it. We have limited it because we were disappointed because we thought that we were going to have a good life, and for some reason, my life just doesn't feel too good. Right? These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Now, to really understand what hope is, we first have to understand what hope is not. The first thing that we got to understand is this, is that hope is not wishful thinking. Come on, have you ever been late waking up in the morning and, and going to work and you stop at a red light? And then you're just frustrated and you're yelling at the light, turn green. As if you yelling at the light is going to turn the light green. And it doesn't. It, it, just, it just remains red. That's, that's wishful thinking. My wife thinks that she's an actress in Fast and the Furious. So when she ends up at a stoplight, she will yell at the light until it turns green. But a lot of us, we, we live our life based on this wishful thinking. And for some reason, we have found ourselves disappointed because the thing that we were wishing for has not delivered. You know, you know what hope is not? Hope is also not optimism. Like optimism, it's false hope. Really what optimism is, I'm not talking bad about optimism. Come on, I think optimism is better than pessimism. right? But, but optimism, it, it looks at a situation and it ignores the reality of it. In fact, over-optimizing it's like a bad coping mechanism where you look at a bad situation, it's like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Like, things are going to be okay. Like, like oh, it's fine. Like, like, it's not a big deal. But, but, but hope, it's, it's not optimism. It's not ignoring the reality of the pain that we're living in. And some of us, the reason that we don't find healing in our season is because we ignore the pain. And we label it something that is not. We'll say, oh, it's not that bad. But, but really, it's, it's a really bad situation. You see, what we got to understand is this, is that hope 
is not about your psychology. Hope is about your theology. Hope is not about your mental capacity to believe that something bad is good. In fact, what hope is, it's an assurance that because my God is good, even though my circumstance looks bad, I know that my God is still faithful and he will deliver the promise on my behalf. I mean, this is what hope is. Hope, hope, is, hope is about having a good theology about who you believe your God is. Because my God is faithful, I know that he will deliver what he promised even when it's not on my timetable. And some of us are frustrated because God hasn't delivered yet. But can I tell you what hope is? Hope is a constant expectation that God is moving even when I don't sense him. Even when life doesn't make sense, even when the bank account doesn't look okay, even when my marriage is on the rocks, I know that God is still moving. I know that God still has a plan. I know that God's working it out. I know that God's word is true. I know that God is still faithful, even when my situation doesn't look the way that it's supposed to look. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I love this because it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Can I tell you that faith is extremely important. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says that you cannot please God without faith. You can't. Some of us want to please God with a bunch of stuff, but we're missing the main ingredient, which is, which is faith. But there's something very interesting about this verse because what the verse is saying is this, is that without hope, you can't have faith. You see, your hope is the building block for your faith. In fact, I would even say that maybe hope might be more important than your faith because hope is your foundation and the faith is the house that we live in. You see, faith is built on, the top, on top of the foundation of hope. Hope is an assurance and faith is an action. Because I have hope and I have an assurance that my God is good. I have faith to believe that although I haven't received the promise yet, my God is still faithful to deliver it because I have a strong assurance in who my God is. I know that my God's a healer. How do I know? Because the word says that he's a healer. I know that God will provide. Why? Because he says that he's a provider. I have a strong assurance about who my God is. Because I have a strong assurance of who my God is. I have a faith to believe that God is faithful. Now, this brings me to Genesis, to Hebrews chapter 6. Right? Because in Hebrews chapter 6, something amazing happens. Right? This is the verse that we read. And in Hebrews chapter 6, the writer, I believe, is the Apostle Paul. And the reason that I believe it's the Apostle Paul is because the writing style of this letter really emulates all the other letters that he wrote. And the purpose that he's writing this letter for is to create hope in the life of the reader of this letter. And the way that he creates hope in the life of the reader of this letter is that he begins to tell them, he gives them this, this amazing illustration. And he says that hope is an anchor for the soul. But before he talks about hope being an anchor for the soul... The Apostle Paul, he, he says, you know what, I, I need to build some foundation so that they can have a clear understanding of what this means. So what he begins to do is that he begins to tell them a story about a man named Abraham. Now, the readers of this letter, they're very familiar with the story of Abraham. And the reason that they're familiar with the story of Abraham is because these were Jewish believers and the Jewish faith started because of Abraham. In fact, Abraham's nickname is, is the father of faith. Because of Abraham, you and I are here today, and we all believe in what Jesus has done. It all started with Abraham. So he said, I'm going to tell them about Abraham, and I'm going to encourage them. And this is how it starts, because God shows up to Abraham, and God tells Abraham some crazy stuff, like insane stuff. Like he shows up to Abraham in the beginning of the Bible, which is in Genesis chapter 12. And this is what he tells Abraham. You ready for this? This is, this is amazing. Like, I want this for my life. He tells Abraham, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless those who bless you. Amen. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. Okay. Then he says, 
on top of those two things, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. These are some pretty big promises. But this is crazy because these big promises are attached to some really big problems. Like huge problems. Can, can I tell you the first problem? The first problem is this, is that Abraham, he was extremely wealthy at the time. He had his business, his family was set up, him and his wife were doing good. And then God shows up to Abraham, he's like, hey, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to forget about your business, forget about your home. This is what I want you to do. Pick everything up. Pick everything up. Whatever you can't take, just leave it. It's okay. And I just want you to walk. Abraham's like, how far? God's like, bro, don't worry about it. Just keep walking. And whenever you get there, I'll just tell you, you're there, and then that'll be your new home. Come on, how many of you guys know that's a problem? Yeah, the, the, the second problem is this, is that God tells Abraham, hey, you're going to be a father of many nations. This is an issue because Abraham didn't even have one son, let alone be a father of many nations. How are you going to be a father of nations, but you don't even have one child? This is a problem. And then just to make matters even more like crazy, God shows up to Abraham. He goes, hey, look, I know what I've told you is, is, is insane, but, but, but this is the craziest part. God told Abraham to have a kid. And Abraham was 75 years old. That's crazy. It's weird. I'm not a doctor, but 75 is not a good age to start having kids. Like, like this is a massive problem that Abraham is facing. Come on, but how many of you guys know that if you want big promises from God, we got to learn to walk through big problems with God. And, and the promise is, is always going to be attached to a set of problems. I mean, I mean, this is insane. What God promises you is always going to have opposition. Can I tell you that maybe the reason that you're having opposition right now in your life is because God has a huge miracle on the other side. And sometimes we have to go through the opposition to get the prayer request that we've been hoping for because if we get it prematurely, we're going to let the promise die. But when God builds up our faith, as we walk through opposition, our faith begins to build up and now we have capacity to hold the promise that God has given to us. There's... There's a purpose in the process. There's, there's a purpose. There's a purpose in your pain. So big promise, huge problems. I, I want to show you a picture of an anchor really quick. They're going to put it up on the screens. Now, this is one of the world's heaviest anchors. This anchor weighs about 650 tons. It's a big boy. It's really big. It's dense. That thing is it's heavy. 650 tons. You know what this tells me? That the bigger the ship, the bigger the anchor. And can I tell you this morning that if you want to have a big life with big promises from God, you're going to need a big anchor for your life. But if you want a small life that's no problems included, you just need a small anchor for your life. But I don't know about you. I think 2019, I want to live a big life. I, I want to hold on to all the promises that God has for my life. So, so really what we need to do is that we need to, we need to get an anchor. We need to get an anchor for our life. Now look at what the rest of Hebrews chapter 6 says. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 15 it says, Then Abraham he waited patiently and he received what God has promised. I love this because it says that he waited patiently. You know when you read the story of Abraham, it starts in Genesis chapter 12. And it ends in Genesis chapter 21. And what takes you and I minutes to read, it takes Abraham decades to receive. Because there's a, there's, there's a wait as the miracle is cooking up on your behalf. Like, have you ever noticed that the best cooked meals are always the one that take the longest to make? I remember when my grandma would take a soup, she will be making a soup for about eight hours. But the reality is that she was cooking up something good. 
And the reason why you're waiting so long to receive what God is doing for your life is because he's preparing the miracle in the background scenes of your life. Like he, he wants to make it worth the wait. We have a God who always makes the promise worth the wait. So like he's working He's working on your miracle as you wait. Come on, can I tell you, the promise is coming. The healing is coming. Just, hold, just have faith. Hold, hold on to hope. Hold on to the fact that God is, he doesn't lie. And I love this because the Bible continues to say when he's talking about Abraham, he says that he swore when God made this promise to Abraham, the Bible says that God swore on his own name. You see, the reason that you and I swear on a different name is because we're always going to swear on a name that we believe has more authority than us. Come on, you've done this before, right? Man, I promise on my great-grandmama's grave. I promise on my mom. I promise on my mom. I promise on my aunt. I promise on my dog. I, I, I pro the reason that we do this is because, is because we're trying to swear on a name that's greater than ourselves. But this is crazy. Because when God works a miracle in your life, and when he's cooking up a promise for you, he swears it on his own name. Can I tell you something interesting? You know what's one thing that God can't do? God can't lie. He can't lie. What makes God God is that he always acts in consistency with his character. You see, God always tells the truth. God never lies. But the moment that he lies, he ceases to be God. And the reason that God, when he makes a promise over your life, that he swears it by his own name, it's because he knows that on earth and in heaven, there's no name that's greater than his name. So when God makes a promise, can I tell you this? When God makes a promise over your life, he puts his character on the line. He puts his character on the line for you. He tells you, try me. And you will see because I made a promise, it's, it's going to come to pass. And now the writer of this letter, I love it. I, lo I love it because the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this and, and he's telling the readers, he's telling them about, about Abraham. And I, I really believe that in this passage, he reaches a point where he's excited because the next thing that he's about to tell them, I mean, he's about to drop knowledge on them. Like he's about to tell them something crazy right now. He says, okay, you've been encouraged. Like, you know the story of Abraham? Okay, now because you know the story of Abraham and because you know that God has a promise over your life, this is what I want you to remember, that we have this hope that God is not a liar as an anchor for the soul. Can I tell you two things that the anchors do? First thing that the anchor does is this, is that it keeps the boat from drifting. I remember when I was about 17 years old, I used to spend my summers in my, in my uncle's house and he lived in plantation and he had a canal in the back that led out into the ocean. And then for my 17th birthday, my uncle bought me and my cousin two jet skis, two jet skis. This was El Loco, this was the crazy guy. He, he, he bought us two jet skis and before we rode on the jet skis, he gave us instructions on how to use the jet skis. And the main thing that he said is, hey, whenever you park the jet ski, just make sure that you tie it up. And I was like, oh, okay, we're fine. We went riding out the jet skis. It was a good time. The water was super calm. It, it, it was amazing. It was a great time. And then when I come back, I was like, bro, the water is going to be fine. The jet skis aren't going to go anywhere. I'm just going to tie this thing to the dock loosely. I'm, I'm going to come right back out. So I go inside. I have lunch with my cousin. And then when I go back out into the dock, the jet ski is not there. And I think, oh my gosh, the Cuban Rambo is going to kill me. El tipo me va a matar. He's going to kill me. And then I jump on my friend's jet ski and we're cruising through the canals. And it's, the, the jet ski drifted about a mile off down the canal. You know what I notice? That it's easy to drift even in calm waters. You, you know what I've noticed? That, that really it's not the big problems and the big storm of life that push us away from God. In fact, I want to say 
that the big storms in life are usually tools that are being used so that God can bring you to his knees and so that you can realize that he's Savior. So I've never really met people that have left God because it's been a big problem. Usually I've seen people leave God because they don't, live, they don't know how to live life in the mundane. They don't know how to live life when, when things are quiet and, and, and when they're waiting. It's easy to drift even in calm waters. I've seen people come to church and I'm like, yo, you're doing so good. Why have you left? And they're like, I don't, I don't know, bro. Just I started working and, and, and it got busy. No, you just, you just drifted in calm waters. And the reason that you drifted in calm waters is because you got complacent. And can I tell you that hope is never complacent. In fact, hope is always filled with expectation. And expectation always leads to preparation. The thing is that we all like to live in an ESPN highlight type of world. Where we like to live in breakthroughs and we like to live in big moments. But can you maintain hope and faith in the middle of God's silence? In the middle of of the calm waters. The reality is, is that you got to prepare for the miracle that you want. You got to prepare for the promise. You got to prepare for the promise that you want. You got to put some, some work down. You got to drop an anchor saying, I, I'm, I'm going to get prepared for what God has for my life. You know, the Bible gives us an example of a farmer who has seeds and he buries them in the ground. Then the Bible says that when the farmer puts seeds in the ground, he doesn't cry over the seeds and he doesn't get frustrated. In fact, it says that he's, he's motivated to put in work. So what does he do? Because he's preparing for the miracle. He waters the seed and he puts soil on the seed and he comes back to it because there's expectation on his life. Because expectation will always lead to preparation. You know, I, I have the privilege to oversee some of the young adult connect groups here at our church. And, and I love it. I love working with the young adults. And there's a lot of guys that I get to sit down and talk with. And some of them are like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I remember a recent conversation that I had with a close friend of mine. He goes, Mike, bro, do you know what I need? I'm like, no, please tell me. He goes, I, I need a wife. <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, like I need to get married right now. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I need a wife. I'm like, I think you need a job first, right? Because there's preparation that, there's preparation that needs to take place in order to gain the miracle. What's the plan that you're putting together as God is bringing your miracle to you? Are you getting yourself ready to receive the promise? And uh, I, wanna, I wanna tell you, second thing that an anchor does is this, that an anchor provides stability in the storm. Hebrews chapter six, verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now to really understand this verse, we have to talk about what the soul is. Because the Bible says that God is, he, he's one, but he manifests himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, you and I are made in the image of God, right? So we're a body, we're a soul, and we're spirit. It's important to know that the soul and the spirit are not the same thing. The Bible says that when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that God fills you with this Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit begins to testify about who he is. You know what the main role of the Holy Spirit is? The main role of the Holy Spirit is to generate hope in your life but then we're still dealing with the soul. You know what the soul does? It reminds you about you. It tells you about your anxieties and your fears and your frustrations. Your soul is your, it's your innermost self. And the reality, what your soul is, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Bible says that our mind, our will, and our emotions, they're always fluctuating. So the Bible says when your mind, your will, and your emotions fluctuate while you're waiting for the promise, you need an anchor for your soul. Something that digs deep, something that says, I know that my God's still going to come through. I know that I've been waiting for a long time, but we have a God who's faithful. And the Bible talks about this kind of hope, and it calls it a certain hope. Certain hope is biblical hope. Certain hope is not optimism. Certain hope is not wishful thinking. Certain hope is biblical hope. And the way that you embrace biblical hope is when you realize that your feelings don't matter. What really matters is God's word.
Do you know that there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible about your life and about what God wants to do in your life? And what he's saying is this, is that you need to anchor yourself in who God says that you are while you're waiting for the miracle, while you're getting frustrated and while you're getting angry. The, the, the anchor, it's supposed to make you firm and secure. You know, I heard a story about a little girl. And the story is pretty recent, but really it's about a little girl who, whose mother, she passed away in a tragic accident. It's a really bad car accident. And for a couple of years, it was just her father raising her. And the little girl, she was very sad because she was dealing with a lot of insecurity and a lot of depression. And she just wasn't feeling validated. And then they went to a therapist and the therapist told the dad, hey, hey this is what you got to do. Take a month and just validate her. Tell her how amazing she is. So what the dad did is that for a month straight, he would tuck his daughter into bed. And he would look at his daughter and he would say, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. You're so gorgeous. You're, you're so amazing. God has amazing plans for your life. And as the dad will begin to recite these promises, tears would begin to flood her eyes because she didn't believe it. But then a month would go by and the dad would stay consistent. He would remind her, you're amazing. You're beautiful. The second month goes by and it's late at night and the dad's about to do the routine. And the dad tells her, do you know you're the most beautiful girl in the world? And the, dad look, the, the girl looks at her dad and she goes, I know. And the guy, dad goes, how do you know? And she goes, dad, because you tell me all the time. Her dad's voice became a reality. And can I tell you what you need for 2019? You need hope in your soul. You need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords inside of your soul. You need God's word inside of your soul. Can I tell you, tomorrow night, the clock is gonna strike midnight and we're gonna take out 12 grapes and we're about to make these New Year's resolutions and I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Can I tell you that God wants you to have goals? But what you need more than goals is hope for your soul. And the Bible says that Jesus, he's the hope of glory. The only hope that would fill your soul and that would keep you secure and that would keep you firm. Can you do me a favor, why don't you stand up to your feet as we close out. And today, maybe you're here and it was, you're realizing that, you know what? 2018 could have been better. 2018, you know, I could have used some hope. Maybe you were facing a hopeless situation. I wanna let you know that in 2019, there's hope for you. That there's hope for your 2019. And how do you get this hope? Well, the Bible says this, that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you would begin to have a relationship with God and now that relationship with God begins to turn into inner hope inside of you. And can he tell you that when you stand on Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus, he's, he's the rock of all ages, meaning that he's a rock that you can stand on forever. It also says that Jesus, he's a firm foundation. He's immovable, he's solid, he doesn't change. Can I tell you what you need for 2019? You need stability in your soul. You need a relationship with Jesus. And maybe today you wanna, you wanna begin a relationship with God. And what we're gonna do right now is that we're gonna allow that opportunity to happen. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Mike, I realize that what I need for 2019, I need to start this year off right. I need to recommit my relationship with God or I need to begin a new relationship with God. Well, the way that you do this is very simple. We make it very simple here at church. So what I'm gonna ask in a few moments is if that's you, you wanna step into a relationship with Jesus. All I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask you to shoot your hand up. I'm gonna count to three, you're gonna shoot your hand up and, and I don't want you to shoot your hand up because we're gonna embarrass you. It's, I just wanna see who you are. That way I can pray for you and you're gonna put your, your hand right back down. But we're all gonna do this in privacy. So church, can you do me a favor? Can you bow your heads?
and close your eyes. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Mike, I need hope. I want to let you know that hope is available today and his name is Jesus. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, you want to step into a relationship with God. I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up in the air. It's going to be super private. Nobody's looking around. And I'm going to see your hand. You can put it right back down and I'm going to pray for you. So one, two, and three. If that's you, why don't you just lift up your hand? Amazing. God bless you. 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 And God bless you. God bless you. Come on, is there anybody else? Maybe you, maybe you say, you know what? I knew Jesus, but I think I need to realign myself. I think I, I, need, to, I need to recommit my relationship. With, I need to start 2019 off right. If that's you, I'm just going to allow one more second just for you to shoot your hand up. All right. Amazing. You can all put your hands down. Now, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be very simple. We're just going to do a repeat after me prayer. Really, the power isn't so much in the words, but it's really in, it's, the power is really in your heart. It's really what you're believing about the words. So what I'm going to ask is that you would do this prayer and you would just repeat it after me. And we're going to do it as a church all together. So church, why don't you join me in this prayer and say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I put my faith. I put my hope, I put my hope and, my and my trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name, all of God's people said amen and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for all those who just made a decision? Amazing.